Hey everyone, it's Sarah here. I'm really excited for you to hear today's episode. Just wanted to give a quick reminder. We're talking today about sickness and health and keeping our kids healthy. And just wanted to remind you that Megan and I are not medical professionals and that we always want you to seek the trusted advice of the medical professionals in your life and your community when it comes to your kids' health and your own health. Okay, on to the show. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 249 of the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers, here as always with Megan Francis, a healthy Megan Francis. A healthy enough Megan Francis. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know what's funny? Like, as I'm just sitting here getting ready to talk, I feel like my nose is doing that thing again where it was completely open and now it's starting to plug up. You need your nasal spray that you're addicted to. I do, but I'm I'm trying not to overdo it. I was, you know, hoping to get off the sauce. The nose sauce. Oh my god! No, I might have to do it again. Oh my gosh, we we will, listeners, take a recording break if there is anything that needs if to there's be any in, nasal spray in involved. So if you can't tell, we are talking today about family health, keeping our families healthy, cold and flu season in general. And this episode was inspired because, oh my gosh, did we both go down and go down hard in the last couple of weeks. I've had to explain that you and I were both sick to a couple of times. I'm like, but we don't live in the same town. It's not like we got each other sick. Um, So I want to ask the question, does it seem like around you cold and flu season just really is extra bad this year? Yes. Okay. So here's the other funny thing about this. So two different people that I have never met that I only have a text relationship with Uh both got sick right after or during my illness. Yeah. And then um, I have a local guy that I do a a local site with here in town. His name is Dave. He was out of town for 10 days. So he and I have not seen each other in person and he got sick. So it's like we're all infecting each other through the Internet, through the Internet. I mean, yes, yes. The, the or, viruses have evolved now to where they can be digitally, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Carried over. The yes, airway. exactly. Well, yeah, my niece, my littlest niece, who is only eight months old, got influenza right after I did. And it felt like the same thing. It was like it was like the way you talk about it, like, oh, shoot, now you have it. And we're like, wait, but you live yep. 2000 miles away. And here in town, I know that our uh, my daughter's elementary school had 80 kids out and there's only, there's fewer than 400 kids in the whole school. Oh, my gosh. So, yes, it has been really bad. And everybody I talk to keeps saying, like, take care of yourself because this one will will hang on. And they know people who've got pneumonia and stuff. So, bleh. yeah. And I, I do feel like in past years, I've heard it's a bad year. But thankfully, our family gets we get colds and bad colds. But um, might as well come out and say we're talking. I'm talking about actual influenza because I tested positive for it, and so did my kids. So, um, I'll let you talk about what you came down with. But for us, it was a it was about a day of a scratchy throat that felt like getting a cold. Um, and not and like okay, what is this going to be? How bad is this going to be? And then one by one, just being hit with fever. Fatigue. Fatigue is not even the right word. I need a word that means you cannot get out of bed, mm-hmm. but it's not for any one particular pain or symptomatic reason. You just can't. I guess that's fatigue. True fatigue. Um, yeah. Aches, body aches and chills um, and all of that for a good two to three days of the worst of it. Um, and when it hit me and a cough, although our coughs weren't as bad as some people's that I've heard of who've had the flu, thankfully. Um, and I went in and got tested because I had a big milestone birthday coming up, as we talked about just a couple of days ago in our More Than Mom episode. And I wanted everybody healthy before my birthday. So we did get on a round of Tamiflu, which is supposed to shorten or lessen the severity or at least get you to the healing phase faster. And I'm not really sure if that's what helped or if if we just got better. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, so we had actual influenza. Three of the five of us had it. Um, it was a full week of dealing with it, maybe not a full week of feeling horrible. So now, now then I gave it to you over the internet. What, <laughs> over what happened? The internet. So uh, first of all, I just want to really quickly say that we both had a premonition that this year that we were going to go down yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, I get about two colds a year. My family does not get particularly sick. And we've also, we were no longer the kind of family we were for a while when, when the ages of the kids were closer. They were all in the same school. Like yeah. everyone's germs were just more mixed up together. <laughs> and 
And also we were all the same, like they were all the same age to get all the same stuff. I feel like certain things hit certain age groups of kids differently than others. But like, we don't all get sick at the same time anymore. That That's not really a thing. And we definitely don't go down hard anymore. Maybe one person a year will get like a severe cold. Mm-hmm. But something where like the whole family goes down has not happened in a long time. And I personally have not been truly down with an illness in three or four or five years. It's yeah. been a long time. And so you and I were both talking about that. Like, you already kind of felt like maybe you had something coming. And I said, I don't know. I've just been a little under the weather, like a little run down. And, and then I just said, I think that I feel like this is the year of the big one. And you said something like, yeah, yeah you had the same feeling. Yeah. And then like the next day you were down. So um, what happened with me is one night I was supposed to go to yoga actually. And I thought, eh, I just don't know that I should. I just feel like if I get, so I had this weird feeling like if I got in my pajamas, my immune system would work better. I don't know. <laughs> Like, why? So I got into my bed at like seven o'clock at night and went to bed and woke up around one in the morning with a high fever. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I didn't go get tested because honestly, I couldn't get out of bed. Like, it was so bad. I would have had to call someone to take me in. And all I really wanted to do was not that. All I wanted to do was sleep. So um, now what had happened leading up to that is that Isaac or Owen went down for two days with a fever. Like he just felt bad and had a fever and slept for two straight days. Okay. And then was okay. William had a cough that kind of hung on, but didn't really ever develop into like a real thing. Mm-hmm. And Clara was down with a sore throat um, and, a, and a fever for a couple of days, but none of them got it as bad as me. Yeah. So I was literally like, I gathered the children around my bedside <laughs> later that day and gave them instructions like how to do life. Like... <laughs> You know, one of those. Yes. It's like an old timey movie death scene. And what was really weird is that we cycled, like I cycled through symptoms really fast. So day one, fever, everything hurt. um, Headache. Terrible headache. Terrible headache. Terrible headache. My kids had headaches with ours. I didn't. And then like second day, same thing. But it was starting to get a little like the fever was starting to get a little bit better. But then just as that was happening, the cough got really, really bad. And then like the sore throat took over and I was like, I've got to have strep throat. It's so awful. Mm -hmm. But then the next day, the sore throat was gone, but the cough was worse. It was like I was cycling through like the most extreme, terrible. Like this is your life of illness. Exactly. Let's just give you the full menu. Yeah. But then but then on Friday. So I after I'd been in bed for basically four days staring at the walls. (laughs) then I was like, oh, I think I'm better. And I got up and was like on my feet for an hour and then thought I was going like I had to get back in bed and sleep for 12 hours because being upright Mm -hmm. for an hour was Mm -hmm. so exhausting. Yeah. So it's been one of those like it's just taken a long time to get to where I feel dysfunctional and like my energy is back. Well, I have talked to a lot of people who've had flu, influenza, A or B, A and B. And like you said, uh, you know, affecting schools and kids and babies. My niece did get it. Not from me in Kansas City. And that's um, what you think. Yeah, exactly. Over FaceTime. <laughs> you don't know your power, Sarah. FaceTime trans- <laughs> uh, transmission over FaceTime. Um, and that's always scary when it's a baby and she's not a brand new infant. So it has been bad. Um, I thought before we go to break, I thought if this recent experience has given any contrast to cold and flu seasons of yore when our kids were tiny. And I can go first here. Um, As bad as I felt and as sick as I was and as sick as my kids were, there is a big difference between going through this when your kids are 11, 9, and 7 than if they were 4, 2, and newborn. And one example is, so Reed missed two days of school. He really should have missed three, but just the way the timing worked. Allegra missed three days of school. And on Allegra's second day home, I think, or third day home when Reed was back, we watched, uh, I mentioned this in our pop culture um, episode, but we watched seven episodes of the Gilmore Girls in a row without getting (laughs) off the couch. And you can't do that when you you are down with an infant or toddler or even a little kid. So there was a, a teeny part of me that's like, well, my lifestyle is set up such that I can... I can stay in bed for three days. I worked a teeny bit. I mean, we, you took meetings off my plate, then I took meetings off your plate. Like yep. we covered for each other and it was stressful, but I didn't have a bunch of little kids running around. So yep. that felt way easier. Um, and just the, um, I was never like super worried about my kids making it through this. You know, I was monitoring their coughs and their fevers, but it just feels like a big difference than than the old days where a high fever could get scary or often with my kids, a high fever turned into a secondary infection, like an ear infection or a bronchitis or a pneumonia. We've had all of those. And so 
um, I just was aware of the difference. And I'm sure you were too. I mean, you could call yeah. all of your grown children to your bedside and, and have them do your bidding. Yes, that was really nice. And they thought it was hilarious. They're like, yes, mother, here we are. And so they're all, you know, that was really lovely and nice. And you're so right that like, not only did I not have to really worry about them as much, because I also had two kids who um, a cold could turn very quickly into not being able to breathe. Yeah. And it, that would have been one of those, like, what do I do now? Yeah. Like, I can't yeah. really function. How am I going to take them to urgent care or the ER? And also, I was just thinking about the last time I really remember both me and a kid going down with a really bad um, sickness at the same time when it was a problem like that was when Claire was a toddler and we both got the flu. Ugh. And all I remember is sitting in bed, my skin hurt, Ugh. and all she wanted to do was nurse. Oh, my God. And she was hot. Like, she was so hot. And I was so hot, Ugh. but also cold. And do you just remember that feeling just sitting there and like, there was nothing else to do. No. All I did was lay there and she just drained all my hydration out. And I guess I watched TV and was utterly miserable yeah. for like three days. And in this case, I could sleep. Like, yeah. And I actually slept pretty. I had one night that I didn't sleep well. But for the rest of the nights, like, I did okay. Yeah. You know, like, I, I did all right. So, yeah, it was, it definitely, um, I felt rotten. But there was kind of a self-indulgence yes, to it. Yes, I agree. Like, like I get to really just take care of myself yeah. right now. And I had like the the Tuesday that I was the first day I got sick. I had a full schedule, like yeah. back to back to back. And I woke up and I'm like, I'm clearing everything. Yep. And it felt kind of great yeah. in a way. We It, so, it was crazy because we did even our timing matched up. Like both of us, yeah. I think, I think was mine Monday night or Tuesday night? Mine might have been Tuesday night. Yours was a Monday night, but it, right. it followed the same kind of pattern. And we equally, we canceled recordings. We moved stuff around. Our business stayed afloat. You did one recording where you were laying down with your eyes closed the entire time. And I was like, I couldn't believe how articulate you were. And you sounded great. But then later you told me that you were like basically in a fever state. The I don't remember. Time. That's um, <laughs> if anyone is interested, that is in our I think it's February 7th, the Friday before Valentine's Day. It's a love and marriage episode. So if you missed me in a fever state. <laughs> Check out the second half of our voices interview from February. She has no idea what she said. I don't know. I was was lying down in my bed, really under covers, which makes for great, um, great sound quality. So anyway, okay, well, we are going to take a break, but we're going to get into some of the more nitty gritty about how we manage family health and how we prevent and treat our own kids when this kind of stuff happens. So we'll be right back. And I'm going to go hit my nasal spray. Sarah, we both recently learned that birth defects affect about one in every 33 babies born in the United States each year. That's 120,000 babies. And the thing that really surprised me is that while not all birth defects can be prevented, there are actually some really simple things that moms can do during pregnancy and even before they get pregnant to increase their chances of having a healthy full-term pregnancy and a healthy baby. Yes, our sponsor, The March of Dimes, wants to make sure all expecting moms have the information they need to guard against preventable birth defects. One of the ways they do this is by partnering with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention every year to generate awareness among women of childbearing age during National Birth Defects Prevention Month. National Birth Defects Prevention Month was in January 2020, but you can still find and share the social posts at the hashtag best for you, best for baby. And that's with the number four. The March of Dimes also has a lot of great information on their website that can help you learn how to have a healthy pregnancy, delivery, and baby. One of their tips is actually to make sure you talk to your healthcare provider for a pre-pregnancy checkup. So this is a great opportunity to talk over any medication you might be taking, which includes vitamins, supplements, and over-the-counter medications to make sure they're compatible with a healthy pregnancy or so you can make changes before you get pregnant. You can also get an overall health screening and talk over any health conditions you might need to manage during pregnancy. And if you can, it's just a really good idea to do this before you even get pregnant. It's just one less thing to worry about later. We've loved working with the March of Dimes because we so support their mission to empower every mom and every family via research, awareness, and information. For more helpful tips on how to give yourself the gift of a healthy pregnancy and give your baby the best possible start, Visit marchofdimes.org slash the mom hour. Again, that's marchofdimes.org slash the mom hour. Okay, so who out there listening has the Jane app on their phone? And are any of you actually browsing right now? Right this second. <laughs> right. You're listening to us. Like I am Jane. while I'm recording. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I have to admit it is one of my little pleasures shopping Jane.com or the Jane app. So if you're not familiar, it's a daily deals marketplace that brings together clothing, kids stuff, home decor, and accessories at ridiculously good prices. And many of the sellers on there are actually mom-owned small businesses, which of course we love. 
I feel like Jane is keeping me young. The clothes and accessories are on trend and really affordable, so I can experiment a little with something without breaking the bank. In fact, I just picked up a couple pairs of jeggings on there in multiple colors, and I love that they're really comfy and they look kind of high-end, but they were cheap. Cheap, cheap, cheap. I also love that the deals come back again and again, so I can click that little heart on a shirt that I love, and then I'll get an email when it's on sale again so I can buy it in two more colors, which I have totally done. If you are into stuff like monograms and personalizations or graphic tees with cute sayings, this is going to be your new heaven. We are part of Jane's affiliate program, which means if you shop through our link, you'll be helping support the podcast at no additional cost to you. And we only joined that program after we were both fully converted Jane customers. So we truly love it. Head to themomhour.com slash Jane to start shopping on your phone or your browser. Again, it's themomhour.com slash Jane. Okay. So now that we are in a, a healthy state, let's talk a little bit about Well, let's talk about prevention for starters. Do you think of yourself as someone who actively thinks about preventing illness for you and your kids? And what does that look like? And I'm talking about anything from maybe being aware of germs and germy places to hand washing or maybe even like immunity boosting things that you might be doing. Are you that are you that type? Not as much anymore. I will say I used to be big on like immune boosters um, and like I used to be really like I remember when my kids especially were little and when them getting sick was such a downer. Yes. (laughs) That I would be the one like, oh, my gosh, I went through a phase where I was like chopping up raw garlic cloves Mm. and I would chase them with like, I don't know, soda, I think. gives me really interesting burps because I read that like (laughs) garlic is good for immunity. I used to do the vitamin C and the emergency and zinc and um, I think what else? Echinacea. Like. Basically anything that seemed kind of healthy, yeah, like it could like give me a leg hurt. up. Like, yeah. It can't hurt, right? I have this concoction. I still do one now. I do it when I'm feeling bad, but you basically just make like hot lemonade and put honey in it, mm-hmm. and it's yeah, like, like yeah, and um, so it's it's just lemon juice and water, and I I put the boiling water over the Ryan's too to get more vitamin C mm-hmm. out of it, and I think it tastes good, and I actually do think it makes me feel better when I'm sick, mm-hmm. but I used to do that like um, preventively, like, preventively, yeah. yeah. Now I've gotten much more lax. I mean, we still do the basics. Like we all cough into our elbows mm-hmm. and or like into my armpit sometimes in my shirt or like, you know, washing hands and things like that. But now I find myself in situations where I'll be like, ooh, maybe I shouldn't have gone to the movies today. There's like a million <laughs> coughing people. Yeah. And I don't think I was ever one to avoid places. That's never really been my style. But now every now and then I'll be like, man, I haven't done anything. Yeah. To prevent illness at all. And oops. Yeah. <laughs> so what about you? Okay. Well, I have a couple of thoughts on this. I generally believe that the exposure we're getting is probably at times and places where I'm not aware of it and can't control it anyway. So I, as, as much as I am usually uptight about this kind of thing, things like, um, you know, being in a public place or touching surfaces, I tend not to super worry about that kind of stuff because I feel like the kids are just as likely to pick it up like who knows, like the grocery store, like Mm. unless you're going to go all out prevention. And there are some immune immunocompromised kids and adults who have to think that way. But if if we don't, then I feel like it's a losing game. Like I feel like I can't control exposure. So, for example, if somebody tells me their kid is recovering from a cold but they don't have a fever and should we still have a play date? I'm like, absolutely, we should still have yeah. a play date because the number of times we've been exposed to that thing already, just because we know that your kid is a little snotty today doesn't mean we weren't already exposed like four days ago. So often, right. so that helps me to be not um, not consumed by prevention. Usually when I go into prevention mode is like now where we've just been through something. If we've just You're been like, I can't through, do this again. you know <laughs> yeah. what, then yeah. it, it makes me think twice. I mean, um, I, or if we have something big coming up, a travel, a trip coming up, yeah. or like my birthday was coming up, I'll start to think, okay, how can we just like, let's just be careful for a week. And that might look like not, you know, like, I don't know, uh, sitting in a doctor's waiting room if we don't have to, or the place. And you also probably know some of it is illogical. Yeah, like, you exactly. know what I mean? Like some of it's your mental, like you mentally want to feel some protection, but that doesn't mean there's much you can actually do. No, there's do. just not much you can do. Yeah. So I think yeah. of like with, when, with my own kids, I really think of immunity as like a, like a higher level thing. So like sleep, hydration, and nutrition feel like the best things I can do. If my kids are getting, I know sleep, lack of sleep is like a big one on your immune, yeah. on your immune system. Um, and then just basically eating pretty well and drinking enough water. And I feel like that's our very loose insurance policy. I'm not a huge, 
Um, like I don't Lysol and Clorox everything, even after mm-hmm. we've been sick. I, I mean, I, of course, I, I basically wipe things down, but I don't go crazy because, again, I feel like we were all already exposed. Already, By yes. the time you're Lysoling everything, it's either in our bodies and our bodies are fighting it or it's not. And so, yeah, I'm not like I, I'm not a humongous prevention person, I have to say. But when I do kick it, into gear, it's usually right after we've had something. And the only times I would say that I am that way with like Lysoling doorknobs and things has been when someone else brings like a stomach bug into my house. Yeah. So, for example, like you throw a party and a kid starts throwing up at the party. Then I go crazy because I don't know who has been yep. exposed. And those and I are wanna so try contagious. to limit. Those are like, and they And they go so fast. Yeah. Like once. Yeah. So it's like, oh, my gosh, I still have a chance. I'm going to run around and hit all the, the um, toilet flushers and everything like that. Um, but, you know, what you're saying about already having been exposed is so true. And you know, like your family is already swimming in your own family's yes. germs. So there's like the idea of keeping kids separated from each other has never, unless it's something, again, like a stomach flu where maybe there's a chance yeah, or, you know, maybe it's limited, like maybe it's kind of contained and I can contain it. I never really have. And I have to say um, one thing I'm, I, I didn't do this purposely, but one thing that was really nice about when my kids were little and we were spending so much time with my brother's family is that we almost kind of made this decision that we weren't going to keep our kids away from each other yeah. when they were sick. Yeah. And it kind of then, I felt like it almost gave us a collective immunity that yeah. was better than had we yeah. kind of been like more isolated. Yeah, like a little tribe. And we were all willi- like, we were all just kind of um, inoculating ourselves yeah. against things, but in small doses. And so, yeah, someone would go down and Maybe my kids would get one illness they wouldn't have otherwise gotten. But overall, I feel like just being awash in so many little exposures was good in a way. And it was also really nice to know we had one other family that we could still do things with even if everyone was sick. I love that. That that didn't take like socializing off of the table for me. And it didn't mean my kids couldn't go anywhere or see anybody for days and days and days. So that was kind of a nice, happy accident. Well, it really is isolating. I, re- I remember yeah. feeling very isolated when this time of year, having sick kids, um, you know, play the few, the few, I was a stay at home mom and the few play dates or library story times that were on our schedule, they go off the schedule for two weeks if you have like back to back sick kids and you just feel lonely. So I think that is actually, there's something to say for that, having your little like, um, you know, bubble of you yes. and Jenna's kids. Um. I just wanted to add in terms of I not being overly cautious about prevention. There have been times when I had a newborn in the winter. Violet's my only winter baby. And I had a preschooler and a toddler. And then I had a winter baby. And I'd never had a, mm. a winter baby who wasn't, you know, going to have any flu vaccine. And um, I, I was. I, I don't. Paranoid's maybe not the right word, but I thought about it. I thought about, you know, where the older two kids have been and what who was allowed mm-hmm. to touch the baby. So I think different seasons of life can put you on alert in different ways. So I anyway, I just wanted to clarify, I'm not like throw caution to the wind. There are definitely times where you think about prevention differently and having right. a new baby is one of them. So and there's nothing sadder than a little new baby cold. No, they can't clear out their own little nose. No, they can't and... nurse. It's so no, sad. It's so, so sad. sad. Although They're like so you, I, I always was kind of glad when maybe a six or an eight month old would get a little cold and get through it. Yeah. And it's like, okay, good. Like we've like, we're we building, we're building that <laughs> immune system. So, okay. Exactly. Well, let's talk about first onset of symptoms. That sounds like a very okay. medical sure term. Does. Um, is, Patient zero. Is there a pattern you've noticed in your own house with your own kids? Is there a kid who always seems to bring stuff home or who always gets hit hardest and fastest? Or is there even a time of year you can predict? Like what can you, what's the dynamic of your house? I think it presents differently for everybody, but I will also say it presents differently like every year and it's changed over time. So no. And, and also some kids are just whinier about Uh being sick and they present as sicker than they may actually Mm. be. So like Clara is one, like when she wakes up, she always has a sore throat. You would think that she is just ill. And I think it's because she has some post-nasal, you know, stuff going Mm -hmm. on at night and mouth breathes and then wakes up with like, kind of that morning sore throat because she doesn't have it by the time school's over. Mm-hmm. So um, that's just an example of like, if I went with the way she feels in the morning, I would always think she was the first one yes. to be getting sick. And it's not really so. I think Owen tends to have more intense short term, like he, goes he gets down really hard. sick and goes down hard for a couple of days and then he kind of just pops back. And William almost every year gets a cough that hangs on for a couple of mm-hmm. weeks. And 
kind of has this pathetic like <laughs> about it. So <laughs> it does get different as they get older because I feel like I have to like I have to trust what they're saying uh-huh. too about how sick they are. And I'm not following them around all day and watching how they are around their friends. And so I don't know. But I do think spring and fall, um, there's definitely something every spring and every fall. Mm-hmm. Winter sometimes, but not always. Um, except for like that kind of lingering cough that Will gets that I think actually is sometimes left over from like a late fall mm-hmm. um, illness. And on. the yeah, it just drags. And the other thing that I've really kind of gotten confused about recently is that I'm starting to experience um, seasonal allergies. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I really don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm like getting sick or if it's just allergies kind of hanging on because for me, it always starts off like as a tickle in the throat mm-hmm. or sneezing. And that can be one or the other. So sometimes I'm just confused. Like, am I yeah. sick or not? And yeah. I guess that just shows you that when I get sick, it's usually not that bad. And right. so because I After can't even really through tell. What we just went through those yeah, little I was colds sick. seemed like. Right. N- I know, like nothing. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's not really any kind. Of, the pattern is always changing. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. How about you? Well, in terms of timing, and I, I swear, I know it seems like this would just be perception is reality, but I swear every year between the last week of January and the middle of February is when we as a family, we get hit with whatever that winter's thing is going to be. And I, you know, I, I always use that time hop app, which shows me my photo memories. <laughs> it's so sad. So Violet's birthday is January 21st minus February 14th. There's a three week window in there. And that's always every single year when we get hit. And it was no different this year. So something about, I, you know, getting through the holidays feels like, oh, let's not get sick for the holidays. Oh, let's not get sick for Violet's birthday. And then something about like, midwinter is when when it happens. So that's just kind of funny. And I don't know why. Or maybe it's a self-fulfilling prophecy of some kind. But it's true. I can I have photo evidence that and these are the hard the harder hit ones, the fevers and the bad coughs and like the typical winter respiratory stuff Um, in terms of like who goes down first and who seems to be the carrier. We have a running joke that Allegra really has an amazing immune system, which is why this last influenza was even more surprising because she went down as hard as Reed did, as hard as I did. She was on the couch for three days. But normally we joke that she comes home and like sneezes twice and everyone else in the family gets sick and she's <laughs> fine. She will get something. I've never seen a kid get something for like literally a day and not even really feel bad. Just have like maybe she wakes up with a sore throat or she'll get a little nasally, a little strippy, mm-hmm. and then it's gone. And then you can see it get passed around. Whereas Reed and Violet have both been prone, when they were toddlers, both been prone to bad coughs or coughs that turn into bronchitis or pneumonia. Um, when Reed was a baby, he got ear infections. Thankfully, it, after his first year, he never did again. So he was he was almost like a chronic ear infection baby. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, it just stopped. He got him in months like four, five, six, seven, like four months in a row. And then he never did again. So I would say that my my oldest tends to be the the hardy one and then the younger two have gotten stuff worse. But I was thinking as you were talking, the older kids get, the less likely they are to necessarily share all of the exact same things. Whereas when when they're little, it's like a guarantee. Like one gets it, right. it seems like everybody's going to get this thing. So, yeah, it it has changed changed over time. I'm also wondering if Allegra, you know, compared to other kids her age has a crazy strong immune system or if maybe it's just because she's the oldest and so she's always more like you know what I mean like yeah. she's getting to the point where she just doesn't get everything I, as she much. has been though since she was a baby she okay. she didn't have a sick visit at the doctor till she was over a year old I never I never had a sick baby until my second yeah. baby um and she did go into daycare her second year and then she got some stuff but she's just always um she gets things but they're so short-lived and they just don't take her down the way and she's always been like that um, okay, so my follow-up question, I can go first here, is when some when there is a first onset, a patient zero, um, what how do you respond as a mom? And the reason I ask this is I have a very predictable, as long as it's not me, as long as I'm not the one who goes down hard, which it usually isn't, I kind of go into this hyperdrive and I kind of almost like it. For some reason, it's like, okay, I got a sick kid, I got somebody home from school. That means I'm gonna have to maybe move my schedule around over here. And I go into like, I kind of nest in a weird way. Mm-hmm. I think it's because I am such a routine oriented person that having a sick kid at home, cha- it, it invites me to blow up the routine. And often I will do that in kind of pleasant ways. I might do a house project or do a lot of laundry. I might, you know, spend a day making sure that kid is really comfortable. Now, what I'll say is as the week wears on and another kid's home and I'm more behind on work, I'm less jolly about it. But I right. I tend to go into this like, 
Susie Homemaker Overdrive in a weird way, thinking like, okay, I got this. Like, we're going to take this on. We're going to beat it. And I have a, like a weirdly positive attitude in the beginning. And then it it, it goes down from there. So. <laughs> well, I think for me, this is something that's changed for sure over the years. So like if I backed up now five years um, or seven years to where I'd have like a bunch of smaller children in the house. Yeah. Then I think it would turn me into like, it would turn me into just a slightly more nurturing uh, version of myself. Yeah. So I have never been one to really change my routine. Um, things just kind of keep plugging along if I'm not the sick one. If, yeah. If I'm sick, then, you know, all bets are off. But like, if if it's a kid that's sick, like they get extra snuggles and tucks in and like I make their room comfy and then I just go about my business. Right. I will say the older they get, the more it's now like, here's an Advil. Yeah. <laughs> no. Call me if you need me, but only if you really need me. And I sometimes like I'll joke about it. Like I'll kind of make like when William was sick not too long ago, I kept popping into his room and going, how are you, William? Are you okay?" And he'd be like, Mom, can I please? So we make like a little joke about me, you know, treating them like babies. But uh, we're all pretty stoic around here, I have to say. And the expectation is that life is going to just kind of go on. And I think that's how I was raised. And so. There were definitely illnesses. I remember how special it was when I was so sick. I was allowed to do nothing. Yeah. And it was pretty rare. Yeah. Like just that feeling of being able to kind of go to bed for a couple of days. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. No, I was going to ask. I'm glad you said that about your own teenage years because I was going to ask and I was thinking about mine. I, I did have pneumonia once in high school and that was one that like I was in bed for a while and really like weak. But other mm-hmm. than that, I remember high functioning on a lot of colds. I think I got yes. a lot of colds as a teenager. And I sang Me like too. you. I was a singer and a dancer. So I, I had both. a. I mean, I was athletic and used my voice. And I just remember like a lot of colds, a lot of sore throats and coughs, popping cough drops, going to school. Um, I, I do remember staying home from school sometimes, but I, I never remember the discussion. I mean, I think I went to school as long as I was not really, really sick. And I just I just did life with a cold a lot. And I don't remember having to involve my parents that much. Like if I decided I was too sick to go to school, I would just pop my head into my dad's room in the morning and say, dad, I'm too sick to go to school. And that was it. That yeah. was like, I wasn't doing it. It wasn't like a permission thing. And I wasn't doing it very often. Um, yeah. And I also remember being sick, 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 like most of high school. And I, my sister was having little kids at that time. Uh-huh. And she they visited a lot. And I remember... I loved when they would visit, but almost like dreading it because I knew I was going to get sick mm, when they left. Like, yeah. I just knew it. She's, Mario was, you know, when I was in high school, Mario and Aaron would have been around um, and they were like three and one or four and one. Something. Like, like peak mm-hmm. daycare illness yeah. age. And I must have been just like peak, like, I don't know you know, teenager who's Low susceptible. Immu- yeah, like age. you just weren't taking yeah. care of yourself probably. Like right, teenagers exactly. don't tend to. Yeah. yeah. Not sleeping, walking around in wet hair and 20 degree yeah. weather. And yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, and I think, I, I think I could come across as not sympathetic. I actually am very sympathetic. Like if I know someone is really not feeling well, I definitely, my nurturing side comes out hard. I just think I kind of just expect everyone to plug along if yeah. they can. And yeah. Yeah. So there's not a lot of over like me hovering or buzzing around a sick person in the house. Well, and that's one of the biggest, I'm going to talk about fevers next before we go to break. And that's one of the biggest differences, I think, between a little tiny kid. When little kids go down, they go down hard. I mean, they just are limp little, but there, there becomes a much grayer area as kids get older. And you brought up Clara and morning sore throats. And um, I'll link, we did a listener questions episode a couple months ago about how to, how to know when to send a kid to school and what to do with them when they stay home. So We'll save that discussion because we've talked about it already. But it, there's a bigger, a much wider gray area with kids who are high functioning but have a, a cold or a virus. And I feel right. like when they're little, you don't have to you don't have to navigate that gray area as much because they're just really sick or they're right. bouncing back up. So let's talk about fevers because fevers are obviously we had them last week or you had them mm-hmm. last week. I had them the week before. And that's one of the things that can take you down hardest. So I'm curious if you like how how you treat fevers with your kids. Do you t- okay, so functionally, do you take their temperature? Do you just feel their forehead? That's one question. And are you uh like um a Tylenol ibuprofen like let's get this under the control or do you let it run its course? How's your fever parenting? 
Um, so I do not remember the last time I took someone's temperature. Yeah. In fact, I was just curious about my temperature and I wanted to take it, but could not find yeah. a thermometer. Yeah. Like I couldn't put my hands on one now if I wanted to. Um, of course that was different when they were little. And I remember like buying all the different kinds of oh thermometers, like so much the ones that go on their foreheads. On the the one I remember being like, do I care enough to put this in their butt? Yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't yeah. remember ever caring enough or ever being faced with a kid who was so sick that I had to monitor it that closely. Um, I will also say that none of my kids, except for William, were ever prone to really, really high fevers, mm -hmm. like the scary high ones. It was more that they, certain kids did really poorly mm -hmm. with fevers. So just to break it down really quick, Jacob um, rarely, rarely, rarely got fever. Maybe I'm mixing it up. Might've been Jacob who got fevers and was fine. Yeah, that's what it was. Sorry. Jacob got fevers pretty frequently. Mm -hmm. And he was fine. Like he could just be sitting there playing like totally normal with a fever. Mm -hmm. Isaac never got fevers. And when he did, it could be like a 99 degree fever and he would be glassy eyed yeah. and miserable. Um, William had febrile seizures at least oh, twice, maybe scary. three times. And that was terrifying. But then by the time I what happens is like the fever spikes yeah. and drops. And so that was what caused the fever. So yeah. usually or but the seizure. So by the time like we got him in and had him looked at, the fever was already on its way out, right? right? right. And then they. Sleep I think for if a long you know what those are, and I'm sure we can link to a good resource in the show yeah. notes. If you know what those are, they're less scary. But if that ever happens to you and you don't know what's happening, it would just be the most terrifying. It was terrible. It was. We thought he was dying. Yeah. Like the first time, I didn't it was know awful. That. And I've then, never heard that. yeah. And then it happened two more times. And uh, and then by that time, I was like, oh, I know what this is. Right. And you know, I even had um. My his uh, family doctor was actually a friend of mine. And I want to say the second time I just called her and she goes, yeah, I mean, you want to just bring him over later. She's like, he's probably just going to go to sleep for a few hours. And that was what he did. Yeah. Like he would have the seizure and then pass out cold for like two hours and then be back and be totally fine. It's really it's not necessarily the how high the fever gets. It's, it's, it's the how, change, right? It's, it's, it's the change. Rapid change. It's like a yeah. super abrupt change and their little nervous systems can't handle it. Yeah. Um, he did it three times when he was maybe between the ages of. 10 months and two years. Mm -hmm. And then it never happened again. Um, Clara and Owen, I think were just totally normal. Like yeah. I remember Owen spiking a few high fevers, but nothing above like 102.5 yeah. and Clara same, yeah. like not a big. So I have always, even when they were really little, even when I was more obsessive about the number, I still treat, I kept an eye on the number because I just felt anxious and curious. Yeah. Like that was when, Illness was so like novel to me mm -hmm. and like the way a kid could be sick. I, I actually remember like enjoying it in almost an intellectual or academic mm -hmm. way and watching it play out. And then I liked to know what was going to happen and yeah. to like be able to see the progression happen the way and then kind of almost test my theory. And about it arms you for the next go. time. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I felt so much less anxious after a few times. So I'm like, oh, I know. I know how this is going to go. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, So I always just treated if they were miserable. Yeah. Like if they were in pain, screaming, like, you know, sometimes those fevers that seem to come out of nowhere and everyone says babies don't get fevers when they're teething. But you're like, except that this baby looks yeah. like they're teething and they're miserable. And also I see teeth and but those ones I might because there was even though I was always of the mind that a fever is doing something, mm -hmm. um, if what's really happening is they're getting teeth, like what's the point of right. letting them like ride the fever out? So yeah, I would use, I would go back and forth between Tylenol and um, Advil or ibuprofen. Yeah. And, um, but, but only to the extent that I felt like if I don't, they're going to be in bad shape or right. not able to sleep. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because you're, it's, you, you can't heal or their bodies can't heal right. if they can't sleep or eat. So yes. So on the on the medication front, that's kind of how I I usually try to treat the symptoms. So a kid with a mid range fever who's doing okay, I might let it ride to see if they can ride it out. Um, but if they're if they're in pain or not able to sleep or eat or drink water or whatever, then I'd probably manage that. Um, and especially at night or afternoon and night when they tend to spike. Um, I Reed and Violet definitely have gotten some high fevers. I mean, I've definitely seen. So here's the thing about taking the temperature. I don't really believe the numbers on any store-bought thermometers. <laughs> I know. They're they're unreliable. And I think that leads, it can lead parents to freak out about the numbers. Now, where it's useful is if you're watching a kid who's spiking up and down, I guess a baseline is helpful. So even if you take 
your thermometer's baseline is like, okay, it says 99.9. I have no idea if that's a degree off in either direction, but I at least know that the next time I take it, I'd like to see it lower, not higher. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. Um, so I went years without ever taking a temperature like you. And to the point where I'd bring a kid in the next day to the pediatrician's office and they'd say, well, how high was it in the night? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I this don't is know. my third kid. I kissed their forehead and right. I look at the rest of their symptoms and I pay attention to whether it's staying, if, if it's coming down with Motrin, that's usually a good sign if it comes down, you know, with the medication. And I guess the reason they ask is because certain viruses come in certain ranges. And I kind of learned this later, but like something north of 103.5 is maybe more likely to be strep and less likely mm. to be influenza or something. And I, I probably got that all mixed up. So I guess that's the reason they ask. But again, like you, I went years without taking the temperature once they were through the more critical like newborn stages. Um, and that's one sign of strep. But certainly there are other telltale right. signs that they and they can right. swab and, for all the stuff, too. I yeah. just think that these store-bought thermometers are so, I mean, unless you're taking it rectally with a really good one, it's all relative. I mean, it's relative right. to that kid's normal. I also have like I run really low. I'm in the 97, the low 97s normal. So 99 would be a fever for me. So there's so many factors. And so I guess, yes, I, I usually try to look at the symptoms of that kid. Um, and we have not had any febrile seizures, but those are super scary. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a break and we will be back to talk more sickness and health in just a minute. We are welcoming back our sponsor, Bombas, today. And Megan, I just finished up a 40 days to 40 walking challenge. So I have never been so appreciative of comfortable socks for my daily workouts. I would imagine you have a new appreciation for footwear in general after all that walking. Working out is hard. I am in the process of getting back into a routine myself. And it's amazing how something small like great socks can make it, I don't know, a little easier and more fun. I agree. My husband has actually been wearing Bombas for a few years, and I finally got to try some for myself recently. They are honestly the most comfortable socks ever. They're made from a lightweight poly cotton blend, which means no matter how hard you're working, your feet will stay cool, dry and comfortable, never sweaty. And the best part to me is, you know, that kind of new sock snugness that feels so good, but it always seems to go away after a few washes. I don't know how they do it, but Bombas socks keep that feeling going like forever. They sure do. And I love that for every Bombas purchase you make, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need, which is so cool. Socks are actually the number one most requested item in homeless shelters. And Bombas is on a mission to change that. I love that. I also love that they have socks for kids without toe seams. All of their socks are without toe seams. But for kids, this may be the ticket for some of you who have those morning battles over uncomfortable sock toe seams. Maybe just me. So we have a great deal for all of you listening and all the little and big feet in your house. Buy your Bombas at bombas.com slash the mom hour today and you'll get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash the mom hour for 20% off. Again, bombas.com slash the mom hour. So Sarah, you live right in the land of all those California theme parks, right? I do. So does that mean you guys visit them a lot? I've always wondered that about families who live close to those big theme parks. You know, we don't, which might surprise people, mostly because it's really expensive, even if you don't have to travel. And I think of myself as a pretty savvy theme park person, but I can't believe that our sponsor, Undercover Tourist, was not on my radar until recently. Undercover Tourist is an authorized seller of theme park tickets at big discounts, and there's no catch. You all need to know about this if you are thinking about a theme park family vacation sometime soon. Yeah, I'm really bummed that I didn't catch wind of this faster. This <laughs> is a secret that needs to get out there. You can save up to $145 on each theme park ticket when you purchase through Undercover Tourist. Again, there's no catch. So think of that savings when you're buying for a family of four or six or more. <laughs> that is significant. And they're known for great customer service. In fact, they have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Undercover Tourist also has great planning tools on their site, all for free, where you can see peak crowd times, download park plans that help you figure out like where to go and when to avoid the lines. And you can even save extra if you bundle things like rental car or hotel in with your tickets. Undercover Tourist is the trusted name for theme park tickets. So start planning your next theme park vacation now by visiting undercovertourist.com slash the mom hour. There's an additional discount using our special link on top of the big savings already offered through Undercover Tourist. Again, for those additional discounts on top of fantastic savings on theme park tickets, head to undercovertourist.com slash the mom hour. All right. So we've talked about coming down with stuff, preventing coming down with stuff, then coming down with stuff and the first onset and those fevers. So let's move into talking about when we seek 
medical attention of of any kind. And I would include, you know, calling the nurse line. There's there's some really cool, like less disruptive ways actually to get to get expert advice these days. So what might prompt you to initiate that? And back in the day, like who would you have called? I I love that that exists now. That is was not really a well known yeah. or available thing when my kids were little. Um, so I just want to set up again that I I grew up in a house where I can remember, well I could count on three fingers the number of times I was seen for anything, for health like for an illness, all the way into high school. I agree. And I'm the same. Twice was like strep throat, so I had to go get on the antibiotics, and then once was I don't even remember. It was like I had some weird sickness that wouldn't go away when I was little. But like, I never, ever, ever, ever. It was like, rub some sand on it kind of a thing. Yeah. Like, you know, or like, here's some Vicks. I never, go get in ever bed. remember going to the pediatrician. Ever. Yeah, no, it just wasn't really a thing. And so that was kind of the mentality I came into parenting with. A. B, I really was trying to avoid um, using really at all, if I could, antibiotics, because especially in the late 90s and early 2000s, when I was having starting to have kids, that was really like the height of over, mm-hmm. like the over prescribing mm-hmm. of antibiotics. Um, and so the couple times that I did take my kids in to be looked at, that was like, the, they just assumed that you wanted. Yes, meds. they do. Like, I, I can and I don't know if they still that. do that or not. But I, like I, that, that, that was, was the my experience in the in the community I was living in, in the late uh, and yeah. early teens, I would concur with that. Yeah. And then I was, as a newer mom, I think I was not as good at going, at saying, well, that's an option that I can choose to exercise right. or not. Mm-hmm. I would feel all this pressure, like I had to do it because the doctor said so. And so it made me really not want to take them in. And I was fortunate enough that for many years when my kids were really little, I had friends who were doctors. Oh, that's, so I always like, wished for that. I always I did. I like had it. the nurse practitioner yes. next door. I had it for like 10 years <sighs> and it was pretty amazing because if I really needed something, I could get it. You know what I mean? But like if, but if I just wanted to call and say, yeah, what would you do? Like I could get a straight answer and they'd say, you know, if you brought him into my office, this is what would happen. And, and See, most that's of the time all it I needed. That's why I took yeah. my kids to the doctor all the time. I just needed a nurse practitioner next door. I wasn't looking yeah. for drugs. I just right. was looking for professional reassurance. And and often, I, I'm totally hijacking your answer here. Often okay. what I was looking for was what to look for if this goes south. And again, yeah. that's a personality thing with me, but I wanted information. So if I could have gotten that reliably from like the pediatrician next door, that would have been amazing. Yeah. Well, and then they would say things like, if you were to come in, here's what would happen. That's mm-hmm. what I always thought was so I, useful. Yeah, and then so I could useful. play that through and go, do I need them to check this this kid's um, vitals. Right. No, he's okay. <laughs> yeah. Do I need them to check temperature? No, that seems to be under control. Um, like, does he need a breathing treatment? Uh, I already have that. Yep. Or, you know what I mean? So then once I kind of thought through all the what's going to happen if I go ins, you know, then it was kind of like, oh, I don't need to. And also I was doing a lot of health writing mm-hmm. in those days. So I was reading up on this stuff all the time. Like I knew the signs of illness, blah, blah, blah. So I would say the things in the past that have prompted me to seek medical attention for the kids besides injuries, mm-hmm. um, talking about illness, yeah, would have been difficulty breathing mm-hmm. or like some change to their like the coloring in their yeah. face or lips or something. Or if they just weren't themselves in a way that they couldn't seem to shake. And that might be something like something's going on for a long period of time. And like they're still sick and it's mm-hmm. three weeks later, that kind of thing. Um, but more, I, more likely, if it was like an acute thing, it was breathing issues. Mm-hmm. And three of my kids had them. Um, Isaac did get pneumonia as a baby and was hospitalized. Um, and Owen and Clara both uh, had a nebulizer. Mm-hmm. And then Owen had an inhaler for mm-hmm. several years. Mm-hmm. And they seemed to both have grown out of it. But I have this weird one problem I did run into is that I had this like kind of misplaced optimism. I swear my kids would always get sick like on a Friday (laughs) and I'd go, oh, they're going to get better. Like by Saturday or Sunday, they're going to be feeling fine. And then when they weren't better by like late on Saturday, I would start getting this panic that I wasn't going to be able to get them in anywhere on Mm -hmm. Monday or like it was going to be too late Monday and I was going to miss the window where they, you know, not like they were going to die or anything, but like that there were just going to be, it was going to escalate. If I had only taken them in on Friday, it wouldn't have. 
And so there were several times I ended up taking him to the ER, like on late yeah. on a Saturday night um, and later yeah. realized I really didn't necessarily need to. But not that many times. Yeah. Just a few, few memorable ones. Yeah. What well, about you? not surprisingly, I seek medical attention early and often. And I fully... I look back at my newer mom self and I know what I was doing. I was I was saw I wasn't worried my kid was going to, you know, drop dead in front of me. I I didn't have that kind of anxiety. I was often solving for some kind of future. I was trying to make I was trying to make my future self have an easier time. So often I was solving for I don't want to end up in the ER on the weekend. So mm-hmm. let me make the appointment for Friday morning even though they're probably fine. Reed got um, ear infections, I mentioned, four months in a row as an infant. So I just, I I wanted to be like, just, can you just look in his ear? Can I proactively, he'd get a sniffle and I'd be like, can we just look in his ears just and like get ahead of this? Um, Those were the days when they were prescribing antibiotics, you know, a lot and freely. And I have some thoughts about uh, the choices I made then. And a lot of the times it was, I don't want this to get worse. I was always trying to control something from getting out of control. And so, you know, I would make an appointment to be seen. And a lot of it was for that validation. Like, just validate that there's not something seriously wrong and tell me what to look for if this goes south. But in hindsight, I could have stayed home a lot of those times. I would have loved to have somebody to text next door or a reliable nurse line. Our right. nurse line was not great. They would call it. First of all, it took up to a day for them to call you back. And then then often (laughs) often they will have, yeah, they would have played your message to the doctor and then they were almost like just reading back. It wasn't like getting a warm, reassuring nurse practitioner on the phone. That would have been amazing. This was like a messaging service almost like they would play your detailed message for the doctor and write down notes and and it would be like stuff I could have Googled myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I was a active uh, user of our pediatrician. For a while, we lived next to a pediatric urgent care. And that was actually nice because for urgent care, it was at least staffed by pediatricians. And so they, you know, they just understood kids and babies a little bit better. So, um, yeah. And I still will make an appointment if I feel like I want to talk through something or just get ahead of something. And it's just, I realize it's totally a personality thing and I have good health insurance. And so it's, you know, it's, possible to do. But there's definitely been times where I'm like, I could have just waited another day. Like there was yeah. no reason other than my own need for more information. But so, so well, and when it. I look back, there were definitely times I created hassle for myself by not getting in front of something. One that pops into my mind is when I took two kids to New York City. Uh, <laughs> Owen was four oh, months yes. old and Will was two years old. And Owen was a little fussy when we left, but like seemed OK. And then he he developed his first and only full-blown ear infection. And then our, oh, and I think the reason I actually didn't see my doctor was that he was out of town and the doctor that was in, like, replacing him or, or, like, Mm -hmm. covering for him would not call me in a prescription. And I kept saying, like, you don't understand. I am not one of those moms. Like, I never give my kids antibiotics, but I am in New York City and he's miserable and I know he's got an ear infection. Like, what do I do? And he was just like, nope. And I was oh like, oh, and he's your fourth kid. Like you're, and it's my fourth not, kid. Yeah. I know, I know. And but I had no leg to stand on with this guy. Yeah. Like it was, it was. I was a stranger yeah. to him. So, um, I do remember that thinking. Gosh, if I had just like, I don't know. Yes, of course, I'm in a huge metropolis. There is a clinic on every corner, but I don't know how to navigate this system here. Yeah, with and a baby, and, with a baby, yeah. and I'm at a work conference, and John was with me, but like I was busy during the day, yeah. and so it it was miserable. And then I, I remember thinking like, gosh, if I'd only like just, I could have even just swung by urgent care on my way out of town. Maybe I could have like gotten in front of it, but that happens so few times over the course of now 22 years of parenting that like, I guess, you know, I can't beat myself up for it too much. No. And I think, I mean, hopefully in a lot of communities now, there are ways to reach out to a trusted professional without, you know, blowing up your whole schedule, waiting in long lines. I mean, I, 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 it seems like the ways to, it, I would love for there to be a way for moms to get good advice without, you know, like, yeah, ending up in the ER or. Well, now we know. have Teladoc. Yeah, you exactly. That with your, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, like, I can't even imagine being able to internet, like, like call a doctor on the interwebs. Yeah. There, when my there little were guys times, were little. Yeah, there were times when I was counting because Reed and Violet also had respiratory stuff, just like your Owen and Clara, and we have the nebulizer and all that. But there were times where I was counting breaths per minute. Did you ever have mm-hmm. to do that? Because they were rapid breathing when they had a high fever and a cough. And like 
It's like a number, right? It's like if it's more than 60 per minute, you got to go into the ER no matter what. And like, I just remember being like, there's got to be, if I could just get like a nurse on FaceTime, like I I just need someone to look at this kid and tell me, do I have to get up in the middle of the night and go to the ER or can this wait till the morning? And it was it was hard to make those decisions on my own. And because I'm such a rule follower, I often erred on like, let's better be safe than sorry. When looking back, I definitely could have erred on. It's probably going to be fine. But you don't know at the time. You don't know. Well, okay. so the flip side of this is um, the opposite of seeking outside attention. I'm curious how confident you are in just kind of your own knowledge of treating things at home and things you can do on your own to keep your family healthy and comfortable. I know we've talked about how we've treated fevers and stuff, but were you a big like, did you Google symptoms and like, you know, try things at home um, in the absence of heading in to see a doctor? I would say that when my kids were younger, I was extremely confident and I was really up on it. Um, that has waned. Like my my active knowledge mm-hmm. is is not as good as it used to be. I remember like when, like I was saying earlier, like I really got a kick out of knowing how illness worked mm-hmm. in kids. And there was something very satisfying for me in understanding it and with watching it play out. Um, and just the curiosity, like, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. And like knowing the difference between different kinds of infections and common childhood illnesses. I remember a time when like I knew what rotavirus poop like looked and smelled like because <laughs> two of my kids had had it. And I could have told any mom, like if they changed a diaper, I'd have been like, yep, that's rotavirus poop. Like I just knew yeah. it has a very specific, let's just say aroma. Okay. Um, We've never had that. And yeah, I'm not going to get into it. It's gross. But like uh, the other thing was um, the different rashes, like uh-huh. Kiss disease and roseola and like a bunch of those. Like I've, I've mixed those all up in my head now. I couldn't yeah. tell you which is which or which is caused by what or which, you know, like you said, temperature goes with which. Right. But there was a time probably 15 years ago that I was immersed in that stuff mm-hmm. and very confident. And I kind of missed that. There was yeah. like a little bit of an expertness about the way I kind of competently just and confidently handled stuff yeah. like that. And um, now it's like I'd have to go back and take a course, cra- right. like a crash course in mom, yeah. mom 101 again yeah. to get back to that because I don't need it. I, so get, much I get to use it because my sister will ask me, text me, right. FaceTime. But she's so knowledgeable because they have they have so many resources at their disposal. Yeah. And she has girlfriends whose kids are having all the things. So I'm real. I'm like I often I'm, I'm like, well, call the nurse line. But this is what I remember. Um, I remember very similarly uh, uh, getting to a place of confidence, especially with the nebulizer and the breathing treatments and the steamy shower and and that kind of that that feeling I, I explained earlier where it's like I go into hyperdrive like, OK, I got this. I know what to do. But it took years of having kids who I didn't know if they needed to go into the ER or getting a prescription for the albuterol or getting the inhaler. Mm -hmm. And then I hit this kind of golden years that you're talking about where I know like I've got this and I know more confidently when I don't have this and when they need to be seen. So yeah, I think it's just, it's like a a fitness level, like something you have to exercise on the Googling front. I am not a big Googler of symptoms. Um, A lot of people with healthcare anxiety are. And I am the opposite because I'm always afraid I'm going to find like the one thing. I don't want to go down rabbit holes of like rare diseases. I have enough, like enough anxiety just wanting to solve the actual viruses in my house and the actual things. So I was never a big like Googler of symptoms and home remedies. But I think if if done with the right mindset, um, the internet can be a great resource. And there's a lot, you know, a lot to learn there. That's it's really funny that you say that because um, I am a big Googler uh-huh. and I think that optim like the optimist part of my right. brain just immediately discounts anything that sounds too right like over the top serious like that's yeah, not that right move it on yeah and then usually I could zero in pretty quickly on the most likely thing and so I have found it to be helpful for keeping myself like for kind of validating myself yeah and um. I- However, I've decided to handle. Yeah. And that's what I've seen my sister do that, too. And she, you know, and she is very smart about how she like which information she trusts. Like, and it's probably silly because I'm a logical person. I'm not going to like fall down some rabbit hole and convince myself that my kid has a deadly disease. But I'm like, there's a part of me that wonders if I probably would do that. (laughs) So I just stay off the Google. And, and I've noticed as for myself, as I've gotten older, and if I've had like things that aren't illness related, but are like a random ache or pain. Right. Um, it, all symptoms 
eventually lead to cancer. Totally. That's what I, yeah. Yes. <laughs> like all of them. Yeah. If you get on the internet. So like abdominal pain. Oh, well, it could be like yeah. just your average upset stomach, but you probably, you know, if you, if it happens for more than five days, you probably yeah. cancer. Yeah. To your or brain aneurysm. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, well, yeah. And the, and with kids too, I always felt much better about illnesses that were following the predictable pattern I was used to. I get, ner- I still will get nervous with a fever that doesn't have any other symptoms that go with it. That always makes me slightly on edge because it just feels like it's totally possible to have a virus that's just a fever and nothing else but it just feels off to me and there have been a couple other times where it's like this isn't adding up to the things that mm-hmm. i'm familiar with and that's where you know that's when i don't google because bad things result bad in my brain result. <laughs> um okay so last question um before we wrap up is kind of a multi-part but you have teenagers and young adults and i'm curious if there are some things that have changed really noticeably about parenting sick kids as they get older. So just kind of open-ended. Yeah. Well, okay. So one of the things I guess would be medic medication. Mm-hmm. And I know all parents have a different approach to this. I had two, possibly three kids who just absolutely refused to take meds. What ages? <laughs> Having just forced Tamiflu down all of my children, yeah. what ages are you talking about when you're talking about refusal? Like, you know, three to 10. Okay. Um, I'm just trying to like some of them were long, like held in, dug in longer uh-huh. and held on longer. It would have been different if they were on something they had to take. Like sure. they were on, they had to have antibiotic because they had strep or something like that. Um, but, and Clara, if you recall, she was on a phenobarbital for a yes. year after she was born for seizures, which is funny now to think back to, because I don't think she ever really needed it. And I don't think they thought she needed it. And, uh, but they just did it kind of preventatively mm-hmm. because they didn't know what else to do. Um, and she loved it because <laughs> phenobarbital tastes like candy. Okay. Um, so she just, she was, even when she was teeny, she, was she, would sugar grab, baby. she would grab the little syringe out of my hand and shove it in her own mouth oh when she was God. little and then suck it all out. Oh my God. But anyway, she was not a big fan of meds as she got older. Owen was the, the worst, like mm-hmm. digging his heels, didn't matter. He would not take whatever it was that was being offered. And I mean, unless it was something they absolutely had to take, I would just be like, Hey, I mean, this is here to make you feel better. Yeah. Like, I can't make you. Um, I, I do remember having to have some conversations where like, if you don't, you know, if you can't sit still for this breathing treatment, we have to go in. Yeah. And not mm-hmm. because I'm trying to threaten you yep. as doing my mm-hmm. will, but like truly this yes, is this last, is the home. This option. is it. This yep. has to happen. Um, now I think everyone has gotten pretty good. Like no one's excited about their medicine <laughs> situation. We don't do a lot of cold and cough medicine yeah. in our house is just not part of our family culture but like we have it we we have mm-hmm. a fully stocked medicine chest and everyone's pretty good about like self-regulating when they need something mm-hmm. and then yeah. saying mom I really don't feel well I need something and yeah. then I can kind of go through and mm-hmm. see what we have and and give it to them um again when they get older though you don't always know um what their symptoms are because they mm-hmm. don't always tell you <laughs> Yeah. And sometimes I feel like the last to know if someone's actually sick in my house because they just like go to bed. And then I find out like after everybody else. um, I've actually now also had moments where I didn't know a kid was staying home from school. Now, that's not (laughs) that's not cool. And they really need to tell me. But every now and then someone will get a little big for their britches and just decide they're and they just hibernate in their room. Yeah. And then I see them like walk like I thought they got up and went to school. But it turns out they were just in the bathroom. And then. They walk past and I'm like, what, what, who, <laughs> what's going on here? So, um, yeah, but I think it's just, it's just like in general, just like anything else, you just know less and less the older they get, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. What are you noticing? Yeah. I mean, one thing changing, I, one thing I have noticed with Violet and a little bit with Reed is, um, I, I want to make sure that they don't develop anxiety about their own health. Um, and so since I have some of that, I have to bake it pretty well. Like I might be, you know, calling the doctor or, or like worried about something and I have to kind of cover it a little bit um, because mm-hmm. otherwise they, you know, they will pick up on that. Reed is paranoid about throwing up, hates, hates throwing up. And I know that's wow. common. I mean, there are people I don't. I always feel better after I throw up. Doesn't oh, I hate throwing up. I will avoid it. Oh, I'll I run won't. from it. Uh, between pregnancies and hangovers, I've thrown up more <laughs> in my life than I'm like a pro. But anyway, so um, I think teaching kids to be aware of their symptoms, but not have them 
worry or pick up on any parental worry has been a little bit of a dance. Because I, I will ask them questions like, so is your sore throat, is it worse than yesterday or about the same? Or like, you know, when was the last time you pooped? Like you, I, I've asked them questions kind of to get a gauge for their their health. And I, I'm trying to teach them to be aware of their body and to pay attention to those things, but I don't want to make them paranoid. So that's, a, I mean, that's a dynamic that comes up only when kids start to, you know, be able to have those conversations about their health. So when they're really little, like you don't even realize how much, you know, just by, just by observing, right. um, like they might not like tell you they're going to the bathroom, but if they're in the bathroom for 20 minutes, you're pretty sure you know what's happening yeah. in there. And I think we as moms just kind of synthesize that information and don't even really always realize we're taking it in. And then they get older and it's totally out of your radar. Yeah. Like, I don't know when my kids pooped last. Yes. Like, yeah. and I, they don't want to tell me. And so things like that um, do send, sometimes tend to kind of, I don't know, fly under my radar a little bit. And I've had, especially William, like all of my kids are, except for Will, I would say have been pretty going to the doctor averse. Okay. Like, just would rather not. Yeah. And I've had Will come to me before and say, um, Mom, have you noticed I've been coughing for two weeks? Were you planning to take me to the doctor? And I was <laughs> like, oh, well, no, not really. But I guess I can. Like, it's just such a different way of, yeah. like, he probably just wants to know or is hoping he can get on something or maybe just wants someone to pay send him to some my attention house. to I'll, him. I'll have, like, all of the doctor <laughs> visit lined up before he gets here. Well, and I really what I think he's asking is like, could you take this seriously, please? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't feel well. And you're just acting like life is yeah. just like going on as normal. And I think that's what he really wants yeah. is just like the attention and yeah. like the validation, validation that he doesn't feel yeah. well. Yeah. And I'm happy to give it. But I, unless someone's like, you know, feverishly lying on the sofa coughing, I might not just because the nature of life with teenagers is yeah. so different. Right. You just don't always notice. Yeah. No, totally. Well, Sarah, I did make it through this whole episode because I hit that nasal spray <laughs> during our first break. And you it really worked. You thank great. you. Thank you. Hopefully I am feeling a little hoarse, but hopefully by the time we record again, I'll be completely mended because I'm ready to be well. How about yes, you? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I am feeling good. I just don't want anything else. Like that was exactly. enough for both of us for this season. <laughs> Exactly. Well, even though this topic was not the most fun, this has actually been a really fun conversation. So thanks everyone out there for listening. And hey, just a reminder, our sponsor, March of Dimes, is doing really great work on behalf of families everywhere. So we hope you'll check out their tips and resources at marchofdimes.org slash the mom hour. Yes, definitely go check out those resources. And we're really excited to bring you a bonus episode this Friday where we get to talk to a mom who went through a challenging pregnancy and birth experience and has a really great story to share. And that is part of our partnership with March of Dimes as well. So again, look for that out this Friday and we'll talk to you then. 